Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the, everybody say, knowledge. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of stuff there. I'm going to talk to you tonight for just a little while about progressive spiritual growth. Progressive spiritual growth. Put your Bibles down, lift your hands to the Lord, and let's ask God to help us receive His Word tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we're asking you, God, to make the ground that is present here fertile soil. Let the seed of your Word take root. God, let it manifest itself in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I was thinking about the church today. I've watched churches through the years. I have seen this church through the years attain a certain level and then just seemingly stall out there and go backwards. And uh, I, I was thinking about how the church is like the family. You know, when you have children, you have that first baby. That first baby gets everybody's attention. 
everybody's love, everybody's whatever. And by the, about the second or third baby, all that changes. Amen. I'm, I'm telling the truth anyway, whether you want to admit it. Now, this is what happens, though. In a family, we have the first baby. That baby begins to grow, year, two, three, four. And the next baby comes along. But that first baby can't stay a year old or two years old or three years old or four years old. It has to keep progressively growing and maturing in order for there to make room for new babies. Does that make sense? And so as I was seeking the Lord today for this service tonight, the Lord began to deal with me about something. This church is at the place right now where it is more than time for us to begin to mature to make room for new babies. Many, many in this place today, you're, you are long-time Pentecostals. But there's some things that we must develop in our lives if we are to see God, and I believe it's the will of God for this church to be full to capacity and overflowing. I've prayed that for years. I've walked the aisles of this sanctuary and asked God, God, let there be a soul for every seat in this sanctuary to overflowing. And I believe that's the will of God. But I also know and understand that we can't, we can't continue to have to treat folks that are one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old that have been around the church for 40 years. I know it's going to get quiet, but I want to help you tonight. We must begin to make progress. And, and the Apostle Peter, he begins addressing all people who have the same faith as he did. You know, the great thing about the cross and the great thing about salvation is that uh, it's an equalizer. The cross and salvation, it has nothing to do with what your social status is, how much money you have. Come on, somebody. It has nothing to do if you're rich or poor, if you're sick or well. It has nothing to do with that. The cross of Calvary is for everybody. And we've all got to come the same way. Watch this now. I know you're not going to like this. And we've all got to live the same way. There's not, there's not certain, certain things that you can do that I can't do and get by with it. The same, I don't like the word rules, but the same mentality is straight across the board we all live by the same law amen now peter he addresses early on and he and he he begins his writing here and he says to them that have obtained 
like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So he's saying we all have the same faith. And he said that that was through the work of Jesus Christ. It's not anything that we have done. But it's through the work of Jesus Christ and our knowledge of Him that we are made partakers of the nature of God. We have no excuse when we repented of our sins. We've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And everybody's got to do it that way. And we have no excuse for any lack of progress. Peter said when we were born again, we escaped from the corruption of this world by receiving the nature of God which overcomes our sinful nature. So, the bottom line is, is that we're all sinners saved by grace. We're saved the same way. And, there, and we all came in the same way. And we all have the same knowledge. And the fact remains that there needs to be a change in all of us. The change is only the beginning, though, of our new life in Christ. Peter goes on to say that beside all these initial changes, we are to be diligent. Watch what he says, to add. Everybody say add. To add to our new birth experience. Just because you've been born again doesn't mean you get to stop there. Being born again is that newborn baby in the house that gets everybody's attention and it needs everybody's attention. But that newborn baby cannot stay a newborn baby forever. There has to be a progression. If you've been in the church one year, then your, your progress is probably different than someone that's been in the church ten years. I hope. But I want, you to, I want you to get where we're going here. If we are... How many want to see this church grow? I think you do. I believe you do. But if we are to do that then there is a personal responsibility upon each and every one of us individually and collectively to make up our mind that it's time for us to do some addition in our walk with God. You know, when that baby's born, he can't eat a ribeye. But the day will come that he will. But in the meantime, there has to be some development in the life of that child. 
And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. Peter gives us eight qualities that are named, eight levels of growth, and I'm going to try to get to all of them. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to be shooting out a lot of Scripture here. You can write it down, go look at it later if you want to. But we're going to talk about some things. And so, let's begin at the first level and, and look closer at all eight levels of growth. The first level is faith. Faith believe, involves believing in things that you cannot see. And everything in our spiritual life begins with faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. No man alive today has seen God. Yet many men today believe in the invisible God because of the wonders of creation that surround us on every hand. Others have the undeniable proof of the experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Others have the undeniable experience of receiving a supernatural touch, a healing, a miracle. God has turned your life around in ways that your old friends and your old family never thought would ever happen. And now you believe in a God that you've never seen. No man having been filled with the power of God's Spirit can deny the fact that there is a God. The writer in Hebrews went on to say in verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me sum up your relationship with God tonight for you. Our whole relationship with God begins when we have faith in him. Without faith in God, we are living under displeasure. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Every one of us in this sanctuary tonight, when we heard the preaching of the word, it caused us to repent of our sins. And turn to God for forgiveness. Because we believe that he would forgive us. It wasn't just words that we prayed. We believed by faith. That when we brought our sins to the altar of repentance. 
and ask God to forgive us of our sin, we believe that when we got up from there and walked away that the work of faith had been done and God had forgiven our sin. As I drive along during the day, I listen to a little southern gospel station that's that's here, and some of the words of some of those songs are just unbelievable. I, I, I love southern gospel singing, and, and I heard a song today that talked about the sea that God cast our sins into, and the song said there's no fishing in there. You see, once those sins are forgiven by the divine act of God, by our putting our faith in Him and trusting Him, He said, I'll cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. By faith, you are forgiven tonight. Romans 12 and 3 For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, I'm about to take away your excuse right here. The Bible said, God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know what that means? You've got the same amount of faith that I have. Come on, somebody. There's no excuse for you not to progress in the kingdom because you've got faith that God gave you. Our faith to believe in God and His Word was given to us. By God Himself. So that there's no reason for any of us to boast about our faith. Faith in God is the foundation on which everything else is built. For the foundation to be a sure foundation, it has to be based on the knowledge that Jesus is the one God Manifest in the flesh. He's not a third person of a mysterious trinity of beings called God. But He is the only God. Oh my goodness. Let me say that again. He is the only God. God came to earth in the form of man to redeem us unto himself. That knowledge can only come from revelation. According to Luke chapter 10 and verse 22, all things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. I promise you. I promise you unreservedly. That Jesus 
will reveal himself to them, to those that put their faith in him and his word. So now that we have a foundation to build on, let's add to the next level of spiritual growth. The next level of spiritual growth is virtue. The way the word virtue is used in 1 Peter 1 and 5 is in the context of moral excellence or moral vigor. The first step in our growth in God is to develop high moral value. The only way that we can do that is to study God's Word. The Bible is full of instruction in how to be virtuous. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, everybody say then, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Watch what God does. God promises Joshua a successful life if he would spend time meditating on and observing the word. I just want you to know you'll never grow. You'll never grow. You'll never progress if you're not in the word every day. Now remember, I, we're trying to get we're trying to get off a of step one here to move to a place where we can kind of move aside and let that new baby come in and start where we started. But there's some things that you've got to add to your relationship for, a, for progressive spiritual growth. You've got to add these things one upon another to get to where God wants us to be. From God's Word, we learn not to commit adultery or worship false gods. Or to take the Lord's name in vain. And we learn how to live in harmony with our fellow man. Through the word we are warned about how God feels about the immoral world system that we live in. 1 John 1 and 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, it's no secret, but the world has grown to have Little use for the values recorded in God's Word. 
But God's ways are timeless. If a person will continue to follow after the high morals promoted in the Bible, that person will save themselves unneeded grief. If you will walk in virtue, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache. You're going to save yourself a lot of pain. You're going to save yourself a lot of disappointment if you'll just do what you know to do. God didn't ask us to live separately from the world because He did not want us to have fun, but because He cares about our well-being. Sexual immorality can breed disease. Leads to extremely shallow relationships, which leave us feeling ashamed, depressed, and alone. Any sin that we commit against another person, whether lying or stealing or murder, causes our soul to be cut off from God and brings the judgment of God on our lives. But when we live according to the principles of God's Word, God has given us His promise of a future, just like Joshua, of prosperity and success both spiritually and physically. So, let's build on our faith foundation with a good, thick layer of virtue let's say let's look at it again one more time before I move on what is virtue virtue is moral excellence or moral vigor so we're going to add to our faith virtue and we're going to add to our virtue knowledge knowledge I, I, was going to, I was going to pick a few folks tonight and, and ask you to stand and tell us how to lead somebody to the cross, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Tell us how to lead somebody to be saved. Do you know that? You understand that? If you don't understand that, it's time to grow. And if you do know it, watch now. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. If you know something and you're not sharing that something, you don't have me to reckon with. Well, let me move on before I lose you. In the age of knowledge that we live in, we know how important it is to have knowledge. Knowledge is power. God told His people in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, 
Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Woo! My, my, my. Knowledge can only come from study. And once again, we find that our source for the next level of growth is the Bible. The Bible not only gives us the knowledge of God's principles of living a moral life, but we learn how to pray. We learn how to worship. We learn how to think. We learn how to talk. And any other activity that should be a part of our lifestyle, we can learn from the Word of God. I've said this for years, and I believe it with all of my heart. There's nothing going on in my life that I can't find an answer for it right here in that, that book. Sorry, God. I believe that every answer is right there. It's in that book. But if you don't ever crack that book, if you don't ever look at that book, how are you going to know what it says and what to do? The knowledge of God's eternal love for mankind and God's willingness to come down to earth as a humble man teaches us to be in awe of God. The Bible gives us God's plan of salvation for man. And if we could not access that knowledge, we would be destroyed in the eternal fires of hell because of ignorance. There's a doctrine that's gone around for some time. It's recently had a surge of revival and it's called light doctrine. And light doctrine simply says that God will only hold you responsible for what you know. And the extent of that knowledge will be enough to save you. Well, if that's true, if that's true, we need to pull every one of our missionaries home. Because we're damning the souls of those where they are missionaries of the people there. Because they could make it just like they are according to that doctrine. But if we understand that there's one way to God. Come on, son. I said there's one way to God. There's one door. And this is the only way that we can find out what that is. Is to have knowledge of the Word of God. I I, I, want to help you to get rid of some of the frustration and some of the, the doubt and fear And things that you're going through in your life. Get in the word of God. Get knowledge. Knowledge is power. 
And knowledge will cause you to be able to grow in the kingdom. And when you get that knowledge, you'll be able to help somebody else into the kingdom. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. Everything we need to know to become a complete and mature Christian is found in the Scripture. If we'll read the Bible, meditate on it, listen for God's voice, He will teach us many wonderful truths about himself. Jesus promised his disciples that he would send them a comforter in John 14 and 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Listen to me right here. This is why it's so important. When I preach to you Sunday about being renewed in the Holy Ghost, this is why it's so important for you to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Listen to me right here. Because the Spirit of God becomes our teacher when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost if we continue to follow after His voice. If all the knowledge of God were put in a book, the earth couldn't hold it. Yet through the indwelling Spirit of God, we have access to all knowledge. Watch now. Whether it's learned from reading the Bible or is supernaturally revealed through the gift of knowledge. Do not be destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But instead, add knowledge to your virtue. Number four, we're halfway there. Temperance. The meaning of temperance is self-control. Mastery of desires and passions. Especially sensual appetites. Temperance involves selflessness which is more a part of God's nature than man's nature as we build we become more and more like God Paul encouraged the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 beginning at verse 24 know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain 
And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Here's the key to it all. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. The Corinthians understood what Paul was talking about because they had athletes living there who ran in the Olympic races of that time period. No athlete who wanted to win the crown given to the one who finished the race first lived a haphazard lifestyle. They had self-control over their diets, over their sleep habits, over their exercise routines, as well as how they used their time. They understood that the only way to win was to be focused on the race that was ahead of them. They did all that for a little wreath that was put on their head to crown them as the winner of the race. Paul followed the example of the athletes and kept his body under control knowing that the crown he wanted to win was not a temporary crown but it was the eternal crown of life. Keeping his eyes on the race ahead Paul prayed, he fasted, he studied the word of God and obeyed the voice of God. All the while, he avoided anything that would cause him to lose the race. He kept himself from the lust of the flesh and of the eyes. Paul said that he died to his own will every day. He understood what Jesus meant in John 12 and 25 when he said, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Brothers and sisters, let me make a plea to you tonight. If we count our life so dear that we only live for our own pleasure, we will lose eternal life. But if we give our life over to God and God's will, not caring about our own pleasures on this earth, God will give us eternal life and pleasures forevermore in eternity. All successful people, I don't care if it's in the business world, where it is, all successful people live a lifestyle of temperance. We, of all people, have a better reason to be temperate in all things. 
Because we're running the race of life for an eternal crown. And to save the souls of men from hell. As we continue to grow in the likeness of Jesus, let's keep our focus on where we're going and live a life of temperance and moderation. And add to that patience. Patience is a characteristic of a man who is unswerving from his purpose and loyalty to his faith and piety, even in the face of great trial and suffering. Of all the steps of spiritual growth that are mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 1, patience requires the most endurance of those things that are not enjoyable. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. No one enjoys going through tribulation. But without it, we can't grow. When trouble comes our way, we find ourselves in situations that we are not able to control. So we fall on our knees in prayer and seek the face of God. Isn't it sad that we have to be driven to that point? That we have to be driven to the point of desperation. That we have to be driven to the point of some critical mass in our life that causes us to know we need to pray. When in our progressive spiritual growth, we ought to know that we ought to be seeking God in the good times and the bad times, in the victories and the defeats, in the trials and the tests. We ought to be seeking the face of God every day of our life because it is our life source. It is the thing that will cause us to prevail in every circumstance. How do you know that, Bishop? Because the Bible says it does. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want you to know as a child of God, that he needs you to learn to wait upon him. He will always show up right on time. But we got to be patient. We got to be patient. What we must know is if we will wait patiently on God, we will be like the lump of coal 
which becomes a valuable diamond when the pressure and the heat is applied. I drove by a few fields today and the farmers were in their fields. Their goal is to have harvest. But right now, it's preparation time for the harvest. They've planted already and now... They're beginning to take care of the plants that are starting to come out of the ground. But if they went out there today and started plucking up those plants, they would get nothing. Because a farmer has to wait patiently for the crops to grow. The caterpillar patiently crawls up the tree to form a cocoon to surround its body and after a violent struggle to break out of its constraint it comes forth as a beautiful butterfly but it's not without a struggle I've seen an article one time of some scientists that were trying to study the cocoon and so they tore into the cocoon before it was finished And they killed what was inside. I feel like telling somebody tonight, there's some things that are waiting to be born and birthed in you. But if you expose it too quickly, if you're not patient and wait on God, you're going to kill the promise that's on the inside. We must be patient in our spiritual growth. We must wait upon the Lord until God manifest himself Isaiah said it like this in 40 and 31 of Isaiah but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint hear me tonight if you will wait upon God he will cause you to mount upon eagle's wings and it's much better to be an eagle than it is an earth dweller patience patience is a higher discipline for higher reaching Christians use that building material literally it will make you strong And then add to your patience, godliness. Godliness means to have reverence and respect and piety towards God. The word reverence, I I found this intriguing. The word reverence has the meaning of reversing something. So in a good sense, it means to reverse the role of authority in your life by giving God full authority to rule your life and relinquishing your own authority. The word respect gives the idea of re-inspecting something. In other words, it means taking a fresh look at God and His attributes. Only... When we put God in His proper place 
As Lord of our life will we reach the higher elevations of spiritual growth. When we try to go our own way, we become disoriented, confused, because we don't know what lies ahead. Fear sets in because we realize that we don't have a clue what to do when difficult times come our way. But when we reverse the roles with God and we recognize and understand that it's He and He alone that inhabits eternity, He will lead us. We can have confidence. Watch that the one who dwells outside of time and space knows the way to go. And we can follow him without fear. We can learn to give this place to God. We can take time to re-inspect his qualities, his ability, his authority. Who wouldn't want to reverence the God who made all things? When Job had a question about what was happening in his life, feeling like things were not fair, God told him in Job chapter 38 and verse 1, I would hate to have this conversation with God. This is what he said to him. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Job, you just tell me. I know you're going through a rough spell. I know it's been a rough time. But Job, you just tell me. Who's in charge here? Where were you when I put all this together? Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help somebody to grow tonight. You're going through a trial. You're going through a test. You're going through a circumstance. And I want you, want you to hear the voice of God say to you, I've got this in control. If you'll reverse the role and give me charge of your life and quit trying to do it your own way, I'll work it out. Everybody say progressive, spiritual, growth. Honestly, if you recall Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find a long list of people who learn through faith to respect and reverence God. The result was that they overcame all obstacles to win victory and gain the reward of eternal life which is given to those who trust in God. If you'll recall, godliness was to be added to patience. Patience is what causes us to really trust in God's ability so that we can become godly. Notice how each step of growth is built on the previous step. Spiritual growth. Here's key. Spiritual growth 
is a lifelong process, not an overnight event. That's why the Bible said, the race is not to the, but to him that, the same shall be saved. And then, I'm just about finished. Just, Just hang with me a minute. And then the next step is brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is speaking of the love that Christians have for one another as brethren in the Lord. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another. The word love used in these verses comes from a Greek word agape. It has so many descriptions in the dictionary that they cannot all be listed tonight. But the general sense of the meaning of agape love is likened to the love that made God come to earth in the form of man to take upon himself the sins of the world. It's a love that expects no payment in return other than the knowledge of what that act of love has done for the person receiving it. Now, we're now getting into the realm of the true nature of God. Only those who are unselfish reach this place. It is the command of Jesus for us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we do not love one another, we are not His True brotherly love comes to us when we realize how unworthy we are of God's love. We cannot condemn our brother when we are just as guilty and undeserving as he is. True love comes from the work of the Holy Ghost operating in our lives to change us and give us God's nature. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 tells us, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Hear me tonight. Only God can love the way love needs to be expressed. And if we will let God have His way in our hearts, He will give us a true love for our brother. 
finally tonight, charity. Charity is the same word as kindness. It is agape love. Only now, watch this, only now we're expected to love outside of our brotherhood. Do you hear that? You want to grow the church? You won't grow the church by just loving folks in here. <laughs> we know that the greatest commandment is to love God. So that's a given. But Jesus called on his followers to even love their enemies. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. You can't cut that page out, folks. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh, asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do also ye to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also Lend to sinners and to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies. Do good. Lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Is there any doubt that this is the highest level of spirituality that can be achieved? There's no more godlike quality than what Jesus called for in these verses. Human history is full of stories of men who cursed God and hated Him. What Jesus endured on the cross for us was inflicted by men who were full of hate for Him. Yet He still loved them. This is the mountain peak. The apex of life. 
You cannot go any higher in God than this. I close tonight. Peter said that the Christian who built these qualities upon the foundation of faith would never fail but would be ushered into an everlasting kingdom of God. Your life is a refining process. God uses the events of your life to shape you. But it's your responsibility to react properly to the things that God sends into your life. You must do some adding to the faith that God gave you. And if you understand the process and walk patiently with God through this life, you'll never have to worry. Let me say that again. You'll never have to worry. Each level of spiritual growth is leading you closer to your eternal reward. Remember what we're trying to do here. We're trying to take the next step so that new baby can come in to the kingdom. We must progress in our growth in the kingdom. And I leave you with this as you stand. Enjoy your journey. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Master God, help us, Lord, to have a desire. God, to grow. God, to not be content in our current state. But God, help us to want to progressively spiritually grow for your kingdom's sake not for our own not for our own purposes but for the sake of your kingdom help us to progress and grow towards you in Jesus name